Welcome to Gucci Row on the Rebel HD2. I'm your host, Kevin Kelly, with co-host Will Despart. Sitting Gucci Row like they say up at UNLV. Thanks for tuning in to our courtside conversations covering all things NBA. Young Rebel, young money, nothing you can tell me. Gucci Row, episode three. We're in the building. I'm your host, Kevin Kelly. I'm your co-host, Will Despart. And uh, we're coming to you live. Will, how are you doing today, man? Good, how are you? Good, good, good. Um, you know, we're finally past the uh, the end of the season. The 2023 season's officially over. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to head into an exciting offseason. Time for the drama. Time for the drama. Um, so to close it out, we, uh, we're going to... Th- start by just recapping these finals that just happened um um and talk a bit about you know the nuggets and where they're headed and how the series went and all that and then get into uh, a bit of dynasty talk about um just past dynasties and um how they've manifested and what defines them and uh who could be joining in on, on those uh types of conversations and then if we have time we'll finish out with our uh, nba rapper draft um, so to begin, I guess uh, the the Nuggets. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets and uh, all of Denver on their first NBA championship ever. Um, it's a, a long, grueling journey for them. I want to say like forty-seven years, um, and they they just beat the Heat uh, in five games and uh, held them to eighty-nine points in the closeout game. Um, so congrats are up to the Nuggets on their first ring. Yeah, they were incredible all postseason. Really, I mean. To me, other than when they dropped those two against Phoenix, I don't think, other than that, there was really ever a time in this postseason where it was questionable that they were going to win it all. So, again, props to them. Yeah, even the you know the game that he, the Heat stole from them, um, they shot the skin off the pill. There was, there was uh, no containing them, and it was clear that they would have to do that for four games to be able to beat them. Um, the the Nuggets held the Heat to an average of ninety six points per game through the five uh, game finals. For a team who's all of their questions at the beginning of the year and about how how far they could go and if they could contend were all centered around defense entirely, um, and they really stepped up. and Holding a team under a hundred in the NBA is extremely impressive in one game, let alone a whole series. Yeah, there's not much else you can say besides that. I mean, they're definitely a juggernaut. And they're going to be a force to be reckoned with for the years to come. 100%. Especially, you know, their core, obviously, is so young with uh, Jokic being 28 and then Murray and MPG, MPJ significantly younger than them, but him then. But um, their role players, too, I think, are what um, uh, allowed them to perform so well on that end of the floor. Uh, like you talk about Christian Brown, a rookie, and, and Bruce Brown, who no one wanted to sign in the offseason. Um, uh, like in their meetings, they literally asked Bruce Brown, "Why do you, why are you not signed yet?" And he his quote was something about how teams just don't know how to play him. Um, and I mean, we saw him be super impactful in that like Swiss Army knife, do everything type of role, um, and contributed a lot to that defense. Um, and Aaron, uh, Aaron Gordon, obviously, I think he's the defensive MVP of this team. He um is able to take on so many different matchups uh, and transformed his body completely from when he was in um, Orlando. He was a 
uh, like a more lanky vertical guy and has really, really built his body into um, being able to defend uh, anyone. They're just so deep too. Like even if it's only eight or nine guys getting on the court, they're all NBA talent, all people that can contribute to a championship team and they showed that they have no weaknesses in their lineup that they put out there yeah i mean you even saw deandre jordan be a plus in a, a finals game in 2023 uh he had a block uh he yeah it's Im- impressive what they're able to get out of their guys especially um like we mentioned mpj who had real bad shooting woes for this series but the playoffs in general um and he just stepped up in so many different ways. He had 13 rebounds in the closeout game. He had eight triple doubles in the postseason and only three in the regular season, um, which I thought was huge. You know, uh, rebounding in the playoffs is so important, especially on the defensive end. And um, that's somewhere you can definitely contribute, even if you're not making shots. For sure. Which they didn't, um, and they were still able to win. In, in game five, the closeout win. They shot 18% from three, which is the lowest in any win or loss in the playoffs with a minimum of 25 attempts. Um, Just, you know, when you think about the modern uh, rendition of the NBA, it's, uh, you know, you tend to think about shooting a lot. And they, uh, and this wasn't their only, they had at least three games under um, 35% from three. So they were able to do it inside the arc and, um, in big part from passing from Jokic, if you want to get into his uh, series that he had a little. Well, first I was going to say that's the hallmark of a great team is just when you can play a game like that where you're obviously not hitting your shots and you're not playing to the best of your abilities and you can still pull out a win, that just shows how deep you are. But as far as Jokic goes, I think it was just more of the same for him as far as what he's did this postseason. I mean, you saw it was game two or game three maybe. We had the 30-20-10 game. He was just... That's one of the best finals games ever. I would say you could put it in the top 10, surely. Mm-hmm. But he's there, there's just not enough superlatives to say about him and what he did this postseason. I think he answered all the questions. I said Nuggets in four before the series. It was Nuggets in five. So Yeah, and, um, you know, he's just the most unselfish, like, all-time great superstar that I've I've seen in a long time. Like, his uh, he, he tends to play better when he doesn't have to score a ton, which is, you know... You don't really hear about that, that much. Like his uh, highest score, the game that, that the Heat beat them in the finals, um, he was able to score pretty easily. I think he had 41, um, but had like four assists and five turnovers. And like that's just such a more significant stat for him. Um, we sort of found out in the Warriors series last year that the way to beat that Nuggets team is to make Jokic score and to not let him force his way out and force it to other teammates because when he can, he's going to score no matter what. You're not going to st- keep Jokic under 20 points. You're probably not going to keep him under 30 most nights. If he's doing that and getting 10 assists and 20 rebounds, you have zero shot to win the game. Yeah, no, it, it's you bring up a good point too because that was a lot of the um, uh, talk about how what do you how do you deal with this guy is um you know a lot of people landed on this idea of of, um, making him a scorer and it got a lot of um criticism even from Spo who uh said to Ramona Shelbourne who asked about that said that it was like mentioned something about like an untrained eye um making that type of comment but then he apologized and basically said that you're right like making him a scorer is the only way you can do it because he just picks defenses apart so easily with his passing. Uh, 
in the finals, he had 30 points per game, 14 rebounds per game, and seven assists per game. Um, and he was one of three players to play at least 15 postseason games and have a player efficiency rating of 30 or more who won the finals. LeBron, three times, Michael Jordan, Shaq, and now Nikola Jokic. So yeah, I just, I just think that uh, um, that obviously puts him in a really rare uh, company. Um, and he he's continues to rise up the all-time lists. But uh, he doesn't have the media presence or the desire to be there that most other guys do, if you want to speak to that. I just thought it was funny how after he won, he was just like, doesn't want to go to the parade. He just wants to go back to Serbia and see the horses. I think it's, I wouldn't say it's a breath of fresh air, but I don't, I come to appreciate it. I don't hate it. Like some other people in the media do. I think it's like, you know, your life isn't basketball. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, so many of the, um, uh, all time greats that we talk about and have watched our whole life have just a extreme unheard of dedication to their sport and, uh, to their craft which is extremely admirable. I'm not by any means taking away from those people. But yeah, it is interesting, like you said, to see someone who, in his own words, with like his um, interview with Malik Andrews, said that basketball is not the main thing in my life. He's, it's just something I'm good at, which is insane. You're not just good at it. He's the best player on earth. So um, yeah, I think that that's a, a sort of mindset that is, extremely unique especially in a similar uh, profession like this where you have to dedicate so much it's those type of guys that are like unfazable too though right like they're not going to be they're not going to be overwhelmed by the pressure of going into a big game like this because it's just a job to them it's not like they're not buying into the media hype they're not buying into the bells and whistles they're just going out there to do their job and go home yeah no for sure those um late game free throws probably feel a bit easier in those situations when you have that mindset um but to to shift over to the Heat, um, despite coming up short, I think it's, you know, one of the best playoff runs in this century. Uh, you know, they were an eight seed. They made the finals after almost losing in the play-in, just something that really no one predicted at the beginning of the season or even um, before the postseason got kicked off. So just uh, an incredible run for them. And um, I thought an interesting stat was, the Heat had more four-game winning streaks in the playoffs with two than in the entire regular season where they only won four games in a row one time. It was just – it's not even, like, believable in hindsight, right? Like, you see it happen, and if you told me this two months ago that the Heat were going to make the finals as an eight seed, it probably would have been one of the more unbelievable things I've ever heard in my life, especially considering what the Bucks were doing. The Bucks were – at that point, looking like a surefire championship team with what they built around Giannis. The Celtics, the defending Eastern Conference champions, and when the Bucks get eliminated, you're like, oh, surely it's the Celtics' run now. Like, there's nothing in the way of them. And then it just keeps, and the Heat just keep doing it. Yeah, even as a Heat fan, I'd be lying if I didn't agree with that sentiment. Um, uh, maybe I, I tend to be not pessimistic, but maybe too realist. But um, yeah, the. It was not many people, even from what I saw among Heat fans, that had um, extreme hope for a, a run like this. So, Well, they lost the play-in game to Atlanta pretty handily, and then they were down three to Chicago. We've all seen the pitcher on Twitter with like about three minutes left in the game. And, and, and even after they beat them, there wasn't a soul in the world who picked them to win more than a game against the Bucks. Like No. 
Um, I bet on the Bulls that night. I was not expecting a Heat win in that game, much yeah. less anything against the Bucks or anything moving forward. For sure. And then, you know, the first uh, two series, Jimmy uh, just stepped up to another level. And um, and then the, the you know, uh, surrounding cast followed suit and uh, were able to take him along. So, yeah, especially, uh, you know, Bam towards even though we lost and he had to play one of the best centers of all time and ultimately got outmatched um bam had a really good finals he stepped up in aggressiveness on offense a lot which is something that heat fans tend to complain about all the time sometimes unfounded but sometimes pretty justified and he was really looking for his shots and trying to um make yoke work on defense and uh, i think that was a really big part to why we were successful I definitely think Bam has earned some of the criticism he's got from Heat fans especially, but this postseason, especially the finals, showed that he belongs on that team, especially as a defensive presence. Yeah. And even on offense, he's a major contributor, and he's a huge building block for that team going forward. Yeah, and even when he's not scoring, you know, he's... The reason that I guess uh, some of it would I'd call unjustified is because he is, like, the hub of the Heat's offense, and... um plays such an important role in getting guys involved and in starting actions where it's like, you know, if he wanted to, he could probably look for a shot every possession, but that's not his job. So ultimately, I think he balances that pretty well. And like you said, this playoffs has uh, stepped up in that department. Um, now, I, I'm i not saying that it would make a uh, uh, game changer in how this series went, but t- uh, Tyler Hero being out for the whole playoffs and Vic Oladipo going down, I just think, uh, I think although Tyler is uh, pretty undoubtedly the more impactful uh, player to the 2023 Heat, I think having Victor Oladipo uh, would have gone a long way in helping to defend Jamal Murray. Um, uh, so yeah, I think those two guys at least would have made things a little more interesting. I think it's easy to say that in hindsight, but knowing the run they went on, I think just the combination of factors that was so like unbelievable for it to happen i don't know if you can put tyler hero in there and the same thing happens or you could put victor oladipo in there and the same thing happens like that run although gabe vincent disappeared toward the end although caleb martin disappeared toward the end they were still hallmarks of this run you don't get to the finals without their performances so i don't know if tyler hero could have came in and done that it's a fair point you know basketball is so circumstantial to where um you know Something like that could play a factor. Like you mentioned, guys like um, Gabe and Caleb and even Strew stepped up at times. It's uh, Yeah, it's tough to predict whether those guys have would have been as impactful um, or have had the confidence to shoot as much as they did and all those things. Um, which, speaking of, those guys are going to get a good payday from, uh, from their contributions this um, offseason. But the Heat have a, a lot to deal with, with... Um, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, Kevin Love, Cody Zeller, uh, Victor Oladipo, Haywood Highsmith, Omir Yurtsevin, and Udonis Haslam all being uh, free agents. Haslam, who is hanging up the jersey. Great career, by the way. Yeah, hang up number 40. Let's get it in the rafters. Um, (laughs) He had such a huge impact on the city of Miami, too, being a kid that came from Liberty City and to play his whole career for the Heat. He's maybe one of the most important Heat players of all time. Yeah, um, he's, you know, tied for the second longest tenured career with one team. Um, You know, he played 20 seasons in Miami after, like you said, growing up right there in Liberty City. Um, And, yeah, 
um, providing so much um, entertainment and just a love for that city for sure. So I think uh, it would be well worth hanging number 40. And uh, yeah, for reference, Dirk played 21 seasons with the Mavs and Kobe's tied with him with 20 seasons for the Lakers. It's just an unbelievable thing to think about, like to contextualize in hindsight. You've, we've seen LeBron's career play out, but that's been with four different teams over that amount of seasons, and it's just crazy. Especially when you talk about, you know, player empowerment and how um, guys have such a hand in their own career and where they go um, and that type of thing. It's It's got to be extremely easy to see greener grass on other sides. Um, but that's just something that UD locked in, and he is the definition of heat culture, and I hope he sticks around well past his retirement in Miami. I don't think there's any doubt about that. I think he'll be there forever. Yeah. Um, so I guess speaking into uh, the winner of this series, I've heard uh, rumblings about um, the future of the Nuggets and uh, if they could sort of squeak, sneak into the um, conversation of dynasties in the next few years based on their age and the uh, support system they have around them. Uh, I was wondering if you think that that's a possibility. I mean, I don't think anything is impossible. I definitely think they have a run, another championship run in them. But to me, a dynasty is like three and four years or two and even three years, which is that's even light. So I would probably say, yeah, three and four years is what you need to qualify for a dynasty in my book. And that's going to be quite impossible. I mean, there's so much parity in the league now. It's interesting, like how we... uh colloquially define uh, dynasties because I I agree I think a lot of the dynasties we think of have that like you said two and three three and four um, one one uh, consecutive run type of things but like would you consider the Spurs a dynasty yeah but I mean that's a good point I would say like there needs to be a chunk of rings like and a short period of time no I agree Um, and I think it's to that point, it's interesting. I, I think that that's probably the best way to define it. And if you get too more detailed, you cut out teams that are probably uh, certainly qualified to be dynasties. But mm-hmm. um, So I guess to, to give a little context, um, the oldest dynasty, that well, probably the best dynasty in sports and the oldest one that I could think of was the uh, Celtics, the Bill Russell Celtics, who won 11 rings from 1957 to 69. Um, six of them over Jerry West's Lakers. Just a sad career for that guy. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, I think one thing is uh, that's a, a extreme staple of any dynasty is an all-time superstar like uh, Bill Russell was for the Celtics. Um, and also, it seems to be that these dynasties have a profound impact on the game. Um, and changing it, at least shifting some aspect. Like, you know, Bill Russell personally weaponized the block and is probably the best defender in uh, basketball history. Um, And then he won the last two titles as a player coach. Uh, So, you know, I I think that uh, all dynasties have that sort of centerpiece to go along with all the uh, counterpieces. I don't know if you want to get into another dynasty we could talk about. Well, the Bulls, obviously. I mean, for me, Jordan's the GOAT. I I, I get the LeBron arguments. I'm not going to go too hard against them. But I think when you have a peak as high as Jordan, 
I think Jordan had an air of invincibility that LeBron never had, which is why I put Jordan above LeBron. Because there was a time in the 90s, well, two separate times in the 90s, where there was really no other team in consideration for the championship. It was just Michael Jordan's coronation. But with that said, he did need some support to get to that point. They had to build around him. They had to add Scottie Pippen. They had to add Horace Grant, guys like that. And they were really like, they built a very great team outside of Michael Jordan. And they showed that, (coughs) excuse me, they showed that when they made the run without him in 94, 95 to the Eastern Conference Finals. and Yeah, and had All-Stars. Um, uh, B.J. Armstrong was an All-Star that year. And, uh, yeah, for sure. But uh, also I think that uh, you bring up a point when you talk about the people around them. I think uh, coaching is something often overlooked in, in dynasties. Uh, like I mentioned, obviously all dynasties that you can point to have you know that all-time superstar but i think they all also have all-time coaches um you know obviously uh phil jackson with um with those bulls and red Auerbach with the uh the older celtics so yeah i think and obviously phil with the next uh with the Showtime Lakers. One point that should be brought up about those old Celtics teams, I would say, is they did only play in a league with eight teams. Like, it's definitely easier to stack up 11 championships when there's only the amount of teams in one conference's playoffs in 2023. So. Which goes to, um, in my opinion, why, like, the Nuggets might have a, a tough time entering these conversations is because, you know, the competition in, in the league is an all-time high. Parity we saw this year is so high. Um, it's It's not like... You know, that period in the 10s where you just knew it was going to be LeBron versus Steph every year. So. Mm-hmm. Which I guess uh, to uh, bring them in, you know, you could probably get into the Warriors. They're certainly a dynasty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, having been a Warriors fan for most of my life, I became a Warriors fan about 2011, 2012. No particular rhyme or reason, just because I liked the team. I liked where they were going. Monte Ellis. And, yeah, I was a big Monte Ellis guy. I liked Steph then too, but... That was, like, the earliest I can document my fandom in, like, 2011. So I saw them, and they were very, very bad, and they became very good. And I would say around 2012, 2013, you could tell there was something really special there. I think it was the 2013 playoffs, and they were facing the Spurs in the first round. It was the second round, actually. They beat the um, Grizzlies in the first round. Or the Nuggets. It was actually Andre Iguodala's Nuggets. Mm. And they eventually got Iguodala the next season. And he was a huge piece of their yeah. aforementioned run. Yeah. But back to this, they're in the second round and they're facing the Spurs, who would eventually win the title that season over LeBron. Or they actually lose the finals. I'm tripping. They would lose the finals that year because it was the year before they won it. Mm-hmm. And that was like the dynasty spurs like tim duncan manu you know it was like their uh you know culmination of what everything they've been and building. steph took them to six games and it was a very close series and there were points in the series where it looked like they had the upper hand against the spurs and that was that that point i knew okay this team is gonna make a run at some point yeah and uh i guess uh on this the warriors a question is because a lot of my like i mentioned dynasties and coaches going so uh hand in hand and i think you could even put front offices in that conversation um you know without uh with the front office making changes in the warriors and talks about how kerr could make a phil jackson move and uh you know uh head somewhere else um 
do you think that that would be the end of a dynasty if we lose, you know, Steve Kerr? I mean, categorically, I think, sure. I think if they do it under a different coach, wouldn't you have to qualify that as a different dynasty? But that furthering the point, I, I do give credit to Kerr for, like, taking us out of the purgatory that Mark Jackson had us in in terms of, like, offensive stalemate and just having Steph play iso ball and everything. Mm-hmm. But we're at the point now where, like, he's passed enough of his wisdom to the Warriors organization. Like, Steph has absorbed enough of that where I'm sure that if we hired another coach, they would just be a, basically a Steve Kerr disciple at that point. Yeah. And I don't think the drop-off would be too drastic at this point. But I do give him credit for establishing what he established. And I think you guys are in a front office-wise in a good position to, uh, you know, make the moves you need to to continue runs um, with or without Steve Kerr. So I agree. Um, I guess, uh, so to come question whether the Nuggets are one, um, I guess is yet to come. Uh, a couple questions. Do you think, would you consider, because I guess we were trying to define it, would you consider the Heat, uh, though it was only four, year, four years, a dynasty, or is that too short in your opinion? Um, I don't know if I would because, like, I think they had the chance to. I think if they won 14 or they won in 11, I think it would have. But I don't know if two in a row makes you a dynasty. I think it just – I think fair. you have to do something besides that. That's fair. I mean, I for some reason, I, I'm – more inclined to give them the title than the Kobe Powell Lakers, but that's oh the Kobe Powell Lakers are not a dynasty. But you know, they uh, they won one championship, right? But okay, like even the Pistons, they won two, but they reached the Eastern Conference Finals from 1986 to 91. I probably wouldn't consider that a dynasty personally. But I would put that on the edge. Like yeah. that's very that's. I could hear arguments either way. The Kobe Powell Lakers, I'm not hearing an argument the other way. They went to one, fi- two finals. They lost one completely handily, and they almost lost the other if it wasn't for a Kobe dream fourth quarter in Game 7 of 2010. So, no, I'm, that's not a dynasty. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I guess uh, the last one, as we mentioned, you know, the Spurs who, despite it being, you know, more spread out, it wasn't one run, have, uh, you know, they got f- five titles in a 15-year run with the same core and the same coach. Um, so I think that's... Uh, the Spurs was very, like, Patriots-esque. Like, mm. just steady, not dominance, but they were there and they had their runs and their peaks. And and when they were at their peak, they were unbeatable. But there were also times during those runs where they faltered and they had they lost in the first round of Memphis. I think it was, what, 2012 maybe? Before those runs, they lost in the first round. They lost in the first round after. Like they, they had f- slip ups. They lost to the Lakers. They lost to the Suns. Like they, yeah, no, f- for sure. And um, yeah, it's it, 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 when it's over such a big stretch. I I'd still consider it that. But like you said, they they weren't like um they didn't have just this super peak run and then fall off. They uh, just were at the top, remain there. Um, for for a long time they also benefited from a weak league post jordan like they really didn't have much competition in the west because at that point there were points during their run i would say like 03 to 05 after the lakers in 04 the lakers were not much of a threat for the rest of the 2000s until 2008 2009 yeah they were very bad in 07 yeah yeah it's a good point even the um east you know the pistons were able to go to the conference finals for years. So I I think that there's a good point there with the um, the post 
uh, MJ NBA era. But yeah, I mean, you know, I guess uh, if there was one other team in the league that you think would be poised to be uh, not a dynasty, but enter conversations of it, just based off core or recent success, is there anywhere you'd go with that? Well, this will be an interesting one because I think it it just goes off of what I they remind me of the te- I think the Kings they remind me mm. of the 2012 Warriors that I was just talking about or a team that's like you they they look very good in the regular season they look like they're building something in the regular season they get to the playoffs and they face this great dynasty core of legends and they go and they hold their own basically and they barely lose. I, I have a hard time believing they're not going to step it up next year. I think De'Aaron Fox could maybe have an MVP candidate type season, and I, I have a lot of faith in them going forward, I agree. surprisingly. You know, coach of the year this year, like you said, Fox, who uh, had his best, um, well, his first playoff appearance and was phenomenal. And like you said, their core, you know, Sabonis is young. They have, uh, you know, uh, Herter, Mitchell, all the, all the surrounding pieces that um, – it, you know, are certainly going to help them get back here. I think if I could go one direction with it, it's tough to say. I, You know, I know that there's so uh, so much talk about them still, and as a Heat fan, this is going to really hurt me to say, but I think that the Celtics have such a good core that the next, like, eight years could look really good for them personally. They got to keep the drama down, though, because they're having some issues with Jalen Brown. Yeah, you know, but they just have such a... Um, elite guard room to deal with and uh uh you know so many different moves that they can make to continue this core going for a long time so i guess uh we'll keep up kings celtics and nuggets and see who's um uh more likely to get into this conversation um yep this is uh this has been a great time this is episode three of gucci row i appreciate you for being here That's a wrap for Gucci Row this week. Thanks for tuning in on the Rebel HD2 with your hosts, Kevin Kelly and Will Despart. You can find us on Instagram at 1KevKelly and Will Despart. We'll see you next time on the Rebel HD2.